we've pulled back the curtain on Unmade's first conference, Remade, the first local event for the emerging retail media industry, will run in Sydney in March. We think that retail media is the fastest moving area of media right now, which is why we want to talk about it. Find out more at remade.net.au. That's remade.net.au. Unwrapped. Unboxing the most significant happenings this year in media and marketing. Welcome to Unmade Unwrapped. I'm Abe Udy, and today in our final episode of the year, we look back at a big 12 months. Tim Burrows, how are we going to do this? Hey, Abe, and if it's not too early to be saying it, uh, happy Christmas, happy new year, all of that. Uh, fairly simple. We look back at 10 of the big themes of the year. There were so many, it was quite hard getting it back to 10, and we'll race through them as quickly as we can, covering off um, each topic as we go. Well, that sounds like a good way to kind of wrap the year up. So let's start at number one. And it was a year of brand crisis for Qantas and Optus. Let's start with Qantas. Yeah, so for Qantas, it was a bit of a slow-moving car crash, really, or plane crash, I suppose. Um, you, you could see it coming for a while, even before the, the, the lockdowns were coming to an end, as gradually... Qantas was struggling to cope with the sheer number of calls to its call center. So that was the that was the first warning as people began to talk about being stuck on hold for two hours, then four hours, then, you know, there are outliers claiming they've been on, on the phone all day. Um, but it sort of rolled through as um, it began to emerge that the decision to outsource luggage handling had, had big knock-on effects, causing delays, causing lost luggage. It meant that um, in many cases, people were arriving at their destinations and, and their luggage had not. Um, that then had its kind of own rumblings through on the kind of the public relations side of things, which only got worse as cancellations continued. There were delays. There was, I suppose, one of the key moments really was an, a bit of an unforced error from um, CEO Alan Joyce when he talked about customers not being match fit when it came to taking laptops out for security and that sort of thing, which was just a clumsy thing to say, not least because Qantas wasn't responsible for security in the first place. Um, and all against a backdrop of growing profits because uh, – the um the, the the prices have been large, the demand's been high given that there's been constrained supply. So Qantas shareholders actually did all right and it sort of feels to me that well Qantas is um beginning to be through the worst of its PR issues now. Certainly it doesn't feel as red hot as it was. And yeah, it was a it was a big year for Optus, they the, the data hack, the data breach. How how did that play out for the brand? Yeah, that was one where, and I, I wrote about it at the time, and I might well I wrote about everything we're going to talk about at the time on, on, on Unmade. Um, it felt like in the very early stages of the hack, Optus was flat-footed on its comms. You know, I think when I look back now, it was really a two-part story because I do think it's done its marketing um, around the recovery rather well um since but at the time it got its comms wrong wrong they um 
They allowed themselves to get into an argument with the government about um, how sophisticated the hack attempt had been. Uh, Confused messages got out. It seemed to be slow initially to communicate with customers and it made what was already a bad situation much worse. You know, this was the first um, and it soon proved to be, you know, not the only, but the first big brand to lose its database in that way. Um, not long afterwards, we saw uh, Medibank um, have the same um, same same issue, and arguably even worse because you know some very personal uh, data about medical conditions was leaked. And of course, with Optus, let's not forget that in the end, as far as we can tell the data never actually got into the public domain. Um, companies always refuse to say whether it actually paid a ransom demand or not. But um, but yeah, it was a real challenge. Um, I do think, though, that maybe it's beginning to come out the other side. Unmade. Number two, there were some big CMO moves. Which did you see as the key ones, Tim? Yeah, and we're going to touch on uh, Optus again there in a moment. But uh, but yeah, I'm going to point to um, three moves, really. Um, firstly, uh, the, the, the biggest um, chief marketing officer move of the year was Brent Smart. He moved from uh, IAG, uh, insurance uh, company, to Telstra, um, you know, We'd seen some really interesting work coming from some of the agencies that Brent Smart uses. He also co-presents the very entertaining Black T-shirts marketing podcast as well. He's now in this. He's he's started the job now. He's now in a huge job at Telstra, which um, would be a challenge for uh, for any marketer. But um, you know, whenever you talk to people who've worked with him, they um, they 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 always have a great deal of uh, respect for him. So that was uh, that was the first big move in in June. And then Lisa Ronson uh, left Coles. That was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, you're right. That was a surprise for the market. Um, now I look back now, and it was August, and at the time, she was signalling that she had something to go to. Um, the fact that here we are in December and that hasn't emerged, um, I think people trying to work out, you know, you, which, which always happens when someone leaves a role and they don't immediately say where they're going. People start asking questions, did they jump or were they pushed? Um, you know, Lisa Ronson was keen at the time to indicate that, you know, she was choosing to go and she had a plan. We, we get to see that plan. Um, the timing was just after you know, a, 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 a pitch which didn't go particularly smoothly. Um, in the end, we saw the Omnicom group kind of come together um, with a bespoke agency called Smith Street. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure what sort of legacy we're seeing for Coles. Problem with all of the supermarkets was that um, because their sales shot up so much during the early months of the pandemic. Um, everybody looked great. Coles, Woolworths, um, you know, you, 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 you name it, all the, all the big players. Um, so we'll see, but also a kind of a key lieutenant to Lisa Ronson, Sam McLeod. It emerged that she is leaving Coles as well this week. She was, uh, basically the acting CMO after Lisa's departure, GM of brand, digital and design. 
So it does look like very much like a fresh start at Coles. And I'll be very intrigued to see how long the Smith Street model, um, which, you know, which includes agency DDB within it, how long that model lasts. And this week was a bit of a big one at seven with Mel Hopkins moving over. Yeah, that's right. So Mel Hopkins was um, leading marketing at Optus, which obviously is, you know, in a quiet year is still a hot seat. But, you know, with the with with with, with the hack, particularly so. So, yeah, Mel is going to be the CMO of Seven West Media, replacing Charlotte Valenti, who um, it emerged just before the seven upfronts was moving on. Now, this is going to be really interesting to me because um, the TV networks have never been brilliant at marketing themselves and they haven't necessarily needed to be particularly in the days of where your main product was a free-to-air product you know your 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 you know your main advertising is is the tv guide i suppose um so this would certainly be one of the more senior and sophisticated marketers yet to go to a free-to-air network rather than someone who's kind of come up through the networks which is you know, more often the traditional model. Um, hey, look, I think, um, you know, uh, Mel Hopkins wouldn't, doesn't deserve to be, you know, remembered at Optus through the lens of the hack. Um, moved Optus to that new brand position of it starts with yes, which I think is a, a smart position. Um, you know, was, was saw internal promotions, which I think if ever you're trying to work out if someone's any good at their job, if they've had internal promotions, that's probably a good sign. And working for, you know, Singtel, they're pretty hard taskmasters. So, you know, um, TV has its own politics and Seven West Media has its own politics. So it'll be fascinating to see how uh, Mel navigates that. But, um, you know, has anyone who listened to our podcast on, uh, the cost of living the podcast we recorded in sydney in the pub mel was one of the speakers there and uh, you'll know that she has a pretty intelligent take on things it strikes me that seven are probably looking to expand the way they're thinking about marketing with mel um, as they market what is air quotes a traditional product in this new world yeah, that's a really good point because, of course, there there are already big players in free ad supported streaming. Um, they're arguably a market leader in fast channels, the kind of curated version, the lean back version of streaming. Um, let's not forget that um, over in WA they also own the West, so there is a kind of publishing arm to the organisation as well. And at some point. We may yet see some sort of subscription video play. Um, you know, we keep wondering what's going to happen with NBC Universal and Seven could be the partner there. Um, a, a catalyst might be the Olympics if Seven picks up the Olympics for, so that, you know, there, there will certainly be plenty to do. Um, you know, right there with, uh, just persuading people to carry on watching so that, um, the, you know, the network can continue with its ambition to, uh, to win the ratings each year. And at number three, it was the year that all the sports rights deals got done. Yes, speaking of sports rights. So um, this sort of year only comes up every five or six years, to be honest. And it just so happened that they all aligned. In part, it was because something has been pushed back because of the pandemic. But 
we saw nine renew its main uh, summer sport of tennis right the way through till 2029 at about a hundred million a year. Uh, we saw nine also renew pretty much actually, I reckon this was right at the end of 2021 in fairness about this time last year as we're recording, but nine renewed NRL right through to 2027. That was for something like 575 million a year. It's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. But if you thought that was a lot, then just wait till you see the seven Foxtel AFL deal, which was worth more than 700 million a year. And again, that takes, um, the, 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 the arrangement for the AFL through to the end of the decade. Um, I think Foxtel taking the majority of that cost. So, um, it was a, it was a really huge year for sporting rights deals. So what, what deals are there left to do? Are there any on the table? Yeah, there's just a couple left now, a couple of major ones. So the summer sports of cricket is the biggest one because that will provide some reliable ratings. Um, we've, you know, you'll, you'll see that the, the, the one major broadcaster who I've not mentioned previously was, is 10 slash Paramount, which battled hard to get AFL, probably pretty much got there on price. But in the end, seven um, and Foxtel managed to hang on because AFL chose to go with the incumbents. Um, I think this time round we stand a better chance of Paramount getting it, um, not least because it at least had some history with BBL, the um, short form 2020 version. Um, so there, there is a slight peril that we're recording this podcast ever so slightly earlier than usual, that by the time we're talking about it, the deal could even be done because there is speculation it might happen this side of Christmas. Um, and then the other one is Olympics, um, which obviously, you know, the main game is Summer Olympics, but you also get the Winter Olympics. So effectively, it's a sport every two years. Seven, the incumbent. Um, sounds like the International Olympic Committee were in Australia in the last few days. So again, we're probably imminent. I'm not hearing any indications of a deal this side of Christmas, but that will be the last one. And, you know, in large part, the big part of that deal is whoever does this deal might see the deal right through to 2032. And that would be Brisbane, which obviously would be a massive ratings bonanza. So um, yeah, that that's, that's the other big sporting one we're looking forward to. At number four on our media wrap-up of the year, we started the year probably not even having heard of the Market Herald, what I hadn't, I certainly hadn't, but then things got dramatic. Yeah, look, I must, I, I must admit, you know, as you know, we publish each day what we call the Unmade Index, which is our tracker of the ASX-listed uh, media and marketing companies. And, and, and to be quite frank, when we started the index, we forgot to include the Market Herald. Um, now, at the time, it was based kind of slightly out of the limelight in Perth. Um, its main property at that point um, was uh, Hot Copper, which is, for my people, discuss uh, ASX stocks and particularly the the, the smaller end, um, plus the Market Herald, which is a sort of, you know, online business publication and also does streaming video again about those same stocks. So it was really only when they broke cover that they had done a deal to buy Gumtree, Cars Guide and Auto Trader. 
Um, now it later emerged for that was something like, if, if memory serves, 70 million, which, you know, is a fair old chunk that suddenly they arrived as quite a big player. Now, regular, um, readers of Unmade and regular listeners to the podcast will remember that, uh, I, I, I then interviewed the CEO and founder, Jack Sanger. Um, oh gosh, just before the deal closed, but it had been announced. And, you know, he had a really impressive story to tell about the, you know, the, 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 the plan to drive forward, including launching a weekly newspaper, you know, in print. Um, so that, that was fascinating enough. And that, you know, be, you know, became the moment that we started really tracking the market herald on the unmade index. And then we had a lot more drama in the last few weeks with an attempt to oust Jack Sanger, um, the uh, Argyle family, Gavin Argyle on the board, um, along with uh, his father, own about 40% of the shares, and there was a big falling out. We don't know the outcome of that. At the moment, effectively, Jack Sanger is you know, technically still a director, but out of the office. There will be a shareholder vote. Uh, I think things will be quite close, you know, despite having – uh, 40% of the votes or so it'll be interesting to see whether the Argyles can can get to a majority win on the vote just because um you know I, I think most people assume that Jag is the brains of the operation Unmade. at number five it was a bad year for the ABC in the radio ratings Tim yeah two big themes and I wrote about this a couple of times over the year one was triple J where audiences really did fade and actually in fairness came back a little bit. So that's the youth network. But one of the issues was it's kind of targeted younger demographic of 1824. Um, It really struggled there and hasn't really pulled back. Now, arguably that's a tough demographic because obviously um, the audience tends to uh, stream towards streaming you know the likes of spotify etc and then more recently and i i I wrote about it in um the in the final set of radio ratings for the year radio national audiences have really fallen there um you know to to an extent that you know i think there are some quite hard questions to answer on why that is so you know in breakfast with patricia cavellis her audience is about a third somewhere between the third and a quarter of the audience that she inherited from her predecessor, Frank Kelly, um, which is obviously pretty bad. And you can't just say it's down to really big audiences in, in during the pandemic, because, you know, the, the, those big audiences had existed before then as well. And then you've got a similar um, issue in, in drive time as well. So there, there is a real problem for radio national to stay, relevant you know it becomes a lot harder to get the big politicians to come on air if you're of the opinion that no one's listening Unmade. at number six elon musk bought twitter and can i say i do remember you saying um uh, when we asked the question will elon musk buy twitter you said no he won't and then it seems you were right then you were wrong then you were right then you were wrong again <laughs> it was a moving feast <laughs> yes Yes, he confounded uh, everybody in all sorts of ways. Um, 
I think um, I, I, when, I, when I was reviewing our, our, our various pieces over the year, I noticed that one was called something like Talented Assholes and um, that Elon Musk was one of the people I was talking about there. So, yeah, back in April, he offered $44 billion um, on the kind of the uh, comedy pricing of uh, he offered uh, four twenty per share. Um, then he tried to get out of it, as you say, because, uh, valuations fell generally across the tech stocks. So suddenly he was paying probably about three or four times too much. Um, he was forced, um, through legal action from the Twitter board to go through with the purchase. Um, and after that, it just became like a kind of flying army of chaos monkeys had come in through the window. Um, he he launched and then postponed the a, a new way of doing verification, the blue verification thing, which basically anyone who paid eight US dollars could have a verification tick. And of course, immediately there were all sorts of impersonations. The um, share price of Eli Lilly plummeted when somebody invested in that tick and uh, announced that uh, insulin was going to be free now. Um, um, Super Mario uh, uh, was able to apparently post an obscene picture. It it went on and on. Um, There were huge rounds of staff sackings in a really kind of both callous and chaotic way. Um, To this day, I've never really been able to verify how many people are actually left in the Australian team. Not many, I think. Um, The the, the whole kind of, you know, brand safety went out of the window, including moderation. He decided to let back Donald Trump and a whole bunch of other very uh, questionable brands talking about, um, you know, allowing freedom of speech. Um, meanwhile, this same champion of freedom of speech, having argued that one of the demonstrations of how far he'd go in protecting freedom of speech was allowing a profile which tracks the flights of his plane to remain on the platform. A few weeks later, he banned that from the platform. Um, he constantly went after former staff. He opened up the email files uh, from Twitter before he owned it to some kind of fairly partisan right-wing journalists to go digging for dirt with what became the rather thin Twitter files um, and um, finished the year having lost most of the advertisers. So um, I must admit, I used to rather admire Elon Musk, and I can't say that I do anymore. Unmade. At number seven, it was another year of big legal cases involving the media. Yeah, I'd point to three. So Craig McLaughlin, uh, who you might remember from Neighbours and then the Dr. Blake Mysteries, um, he had been going after the ABC and what was Fairfax is now nine for their reporting on allegations around him and sexual harassment of uh, colleagues uh, while filming and while on stage he dropped that defamation case so that was that was a key victory uh, for those publications um another one where we saw some vindication was actually a criminal case so chris dawson who'd been the subject of the teacher's pet podcast uh done by Hedley thomas of the australian was uh convicted of murder many many years after the event um 
we'll actually, I suppose, never know whether the authorities would have taken that case to court or whether it took the podcast to shame them into actually finally acting and prosecuting after all those years. But yeah, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a long journey for the family and, you know, a long journey since that, um, that podcast, which actually, you know, I, I think arguably was the first truly popular kind of cold case crime podcast that we'd seen come out of Australia. And then third case, defamation case, um, I'm, I'm going to call it as the biggest defamation case Australia has ever seen. Ben Robert Smith. So he went after the former um, uh, Fairfax slash nine newspapers, The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Canberra Times, which is now owned by ACM, over their reporting of um, his actions in Afghanistan for the SAS. Um, it was an absolutely epic trial. It went the best part of a year. Um, it was hugely complex. It included testimony out of Afghanistan, even as the, the, the capital was in danger of falling. Um, the stakes are absolutely huge. Um, if the publications lose, then they'll have absolutely huge huge damages um to pay for to ben robert smith for uh you know his, the, the 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 way that his reputation has been lacerated um and of course if they win then in turn ben robert smith is you know reputationally finished at the very least and might well either way face further um uh ramifications in 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 terms of criminal law um the 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 judge in the process although as i say we're almost six months on now has reserved judgment so we're waiting to hear which way that one goes unmade number eight it was the year of audio streaming it was this feels a bit like it was the year where podcasting really came into its own not just as something which has found an audience but also a commercial niche as well certainly among the big players um so you know i think we can point to southern cross stereo and listener as the single biggest player certainly in terms of you know investment in the ecosystem and the structure and that you know that's a lot of credit i think we're just over two years since southern cross stereo created listener which has become a really interesting platform, really interesting um, in terms of representation as well, because it's gone out of its deal to do to really create this big network where it represents other players. So it's not just SCA podcast, but Schwartz Media, Stitcher, NBC Universal, Wondery, amongst others, which is now for monthly listeners, um, something like six point. 6.5 million in the the latest edition of the podcast ranker which went up to the end of November and that 6.5 million was just a bit ahead of ARN's iHeart podcast network on 5.8 million and we sort of seen the emergence of a couple of other major players of which i suppose the um the, the the you know the the other ones I'll point to will be Nova Entertainment which also represents News Corp and uh, Daily Mail podcast, so that that was pulling in something like two point six 
million monthly listens. And then we had a new arrival just in the last few days as well. Mamma Mia has now joined the ranker on something like 1.3 million monthly listeners, which, which actually puts it ahead of nine. So that was really interesting to see that. Um, and that really leaves just one player who we don't yet know how they're doing. And that's the ABC. Now, my understanding is that the ABC does intend to join the podcast ranker. It's not, it's not avoiding it for some sort of, uh, strategic reason. It's just the technology, the technicalities of, uh, making sure that their, their podcasts are, uh, tagged and measured properly, particularly out of their app as well as through others apps. So, um, so yeah, you know, we, we have a lot more data finishing the year than we did when we started it when it comes to podcasting. Unmade. Number nine, as we approach the end of the top 10, it was the year that Netflix took advertising and who'd have thunk it? Yeah, look, the, the pendulum absolutely swung. You know, over the decade just gone, uh, one of the, the themes of the decade, something I wrote about in my book, Media Unmade, was the way we moved away from advertiser pays towards audience pays, whether that was for news or whether that was for video streaming. Um, Netflix had a bit of a problem about a year back, though, where they actually stuttered slightly on their subscriber growth. So they needed a new story to tell the market. And they decided that market was the launch of a new tier. And that tier would be slightly cheaper for the audience. But the price of that would be that uh, they would have to watch some ads. So Netflix is now in the advertising business. Unmade. And finally, at number 10, and some would argue the biggest media story of the year, let's talk about Unmade's year, Tim. Pull back the curtain. (laughs) It's nice of you to say so, Abe. I'm not sure I'd go quite that far. But yeah, in the last few days, I shared our um, end of year update, of which a couple of key things. Uh, We now have uh, about 12,500 people on our email database. So if you're among those, thank you very much. Um, And I guess even more importantly to us, we now have the grand total of 246 paying members of unmade i think actually since i wrote that post we may even have gone up a couple more um but uh every one of you because you're the ones who are helping us keep the light on are even more special so yeah it was it was our first uh, our first full year um you know we actually started in in august 2021 so 2022 is the first one um so yeah no, i'm 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 extremely grateful to our our readers and listeners who come along the way and um extremely grateful to you as well abe for all of your support both um in the uh in the editing side of things with abe's audio but also um stepping up as uh as co-host on the start the week podcast as well there were big shoes to fill but i've done my best tim but it, you know it's been i'm a bit of a media nerd so fascinating he- hearing your insights and i've really enjoyed being a listener and participating so thank you for having me mate it's it's been a pleasure Wow, it's been nice to do, and it's also been nice to um, to, to to have a a, a a mini media empire starting on the shores of Tasmania. 
Tasmania is a beautiful place. If you haven't been to Tassie, you should do yourself a favour one day and come and check it out. But that is it for today and the year, actually. We would love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And I'll be back in written form tomorrow with our final Tuesdayter of the year. Don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. We're offering 48% off until Christmas, so go to unmade.media to find out how to subscribe. This year's podcast was produced with the enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next year. Thanks, Abe. Thanks, Tim. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio. We've pulled back the curtain on Unmade's first conference, Remade. The first local event for the emerging retail media industry will run in Sydney in March. We think that retail media is the fastest moving area of media right now, which is why we want to talk about it. Find out more at remade.net.au. That's remade.net.au.